on my poor confirmation kids. Don't worry, they get even with me on confirmation day. It all evens out. Matthew, if you would turn there, please. Twelve. Chapter twelve. What a uh, interesting little section Matthew records. And uh, as I thought about it, there's, there's a lot of things in chapter 12 we could have talked about and hit and other things like that. But it just struck me how difficult mercy and not sacrifice really is. I... Uh, trying to think of how to illustrate that because it's really not an easy concept at first because, you know, the Pharisees are busy. If you you remember the context here, the context is Jesus is walking through the field and uh, his disciples are hungry, so he's walking through a field that's not their own, okay? Uh, And they're grabbing either barley or oats or whatever it was and they're rubbing it together in their hands so they can get the little grains of seed And then they were popping that seed in their mouth. And so it was a little bit like granola, kind of some version of granola crunch, if you want to call it that. And they're walking through the fields and the Pharisees uh, hear about this and they begin to yell at the disciples. And so you look at this and it goes, um, the phrase goes, When the Pharisees saw this, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath. Well, The unlawful on the Sabbath part, in one sense, that was correct. Uh, God had told them, keep two hands on the altar. All right, it was a rule God had given them. Uh, It wasn't exactly like they were making something up. They thought they were being good people and followers of Christ, keeping both hands on the altar. And the difficulty that was happening here, however, was the circumstances demanded a higher calling. Have you ever noticed how easy it is sometimes to point out somebody's failing or somebody's weakness or someone's frailty? You know, you haven't been in church very often. You know this or you know that or the way you talk or the way, you know, have you ever noticed how quickly we can come up with this list of accusations and we can actually feel somewhat justified or very significantly justified in pointing out a weakness, a frailty, or a behavior. And what we miss is we miss the number one calling, which is to love people. We miss the calling of God that says, I have come to save sinners. We miss the calling of God that says, I'm not telling you to compromise your life. I'm telling you that sometimes there is a greater calling that you have to be alert to. I want you to understand that concept. And the Pharisees are busy getting them on a technicality. And technically speaking, you could hold them to that. You let go of the altar, no candy for you. All right? So the dilemma is that moment where Jesus now is, you know, here's this, his disciples in one sense have let go, and they're behaving in a way that is contrary to the commands that the Pharisees perceived were the requirements of Scripture. And so the Pharisees are coming up there going, you let go. 
you didn't follow through. What's wrong with your disciples? Don't they know the basic rules? And Jesus responds to them with these presentations of the argument, and he says, do you remember David? King David and his men, and they're on the run, and they're hungry, and they ask for the showbread. They're, the showbread is the bread that was set, you know, it's like 12 loaves of bread set in the altar in the temple, and they were set out there as symbols of the 12 tribes offering up their bread, their offerings to the Lord, and those were supposed to be sacred loaves, and only the priests were allowed to eat them after they had sat there for a certain amount of time. And then as they did, they were always replaced with a brand new baked loaf of bread. So that process was there, and, and uh, David is hungry, and he says, can I have that bread? And they go in and they take the bread out of the temple from the presence of God, and they give it to David and his men so he has something to eat. And Jesus points out, he says, don't you remember the story? As he points it out, he said, haven't you read? David did what he and his companions were hungry. He entered the house of God, and he and his companions ate the consecrated bread, which was not lawful for them to do, but only for the priests. Oh, King David did that. What a wicked man. No, he wanted to say, I want you to think about that. Wow. Maybe there's a higher calling when somebody is hungry. And he goes to the next one. It says, haven't you read in the law of the Sabbath that the priests in the temple consecrate the day and yet are innocent? Well, understand something. On, on the Sabbath day, you weren't even supposed to build a fire. You could keep a fire going, but you couldn't build a new one. You weren't supposed to butcher an animal. That was considered work. And you were supposed to rest on the Sabbath to remind you of the rest that God took on the seventh day. And in that resting, there were certain guidelines that either had been established by God, some cases they were established by the priests and other individuals, but these, uh, these rules, and yet the priests, in order to fulfill the requirements of the Sabbath, go into the temple, pick up the lamb, the goat, whatever it is, and they, they butcher it, they you know, kill it, they carry on work in the temple. And he said, you ever thought about that? They're going, whoa. You're right. Jesus finally ends with this last point. If you had known what these words mean, excuse me, uh, I tell you the one greater than the temple is here. And if you had known what these words mean, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, you would have not condemned the innocent. For the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Now what's his point? His point is that sometimes you can be righteous and wrong. You can have it all your things lined up and lack mercy and love. You can have your whole life with the appearance of it's together, but lack the single major calling, which is to love, to make a difference in the lives of people around you. God is not in Christ saying, I excuse these other laws, I diminish these other laws, I am telling you. His point is, what, he, what did he say in other parables? If one of you has a bunch of sheep, and one of them falls into the well, won't you go and rescue that sheep even on the Sabbath day? Why are you angry at me because I healed a man on the Sabbath? And all the Pharisees have to look at each other, well, yeah, we'd rescue the, the sheep on the Sabbath. And he'd say, Why? Because it'd be dead by the next day. Good. Wouldn't you be willing to do that for a human being? 
well, yeah, but it's breaking the Sabbath. And he said, then why do you rescue the sheep? Because the sheep has need. And he says, if you can figure that out for an animal, if you can figure that out in practicality for an animal in the situation, why can't you figure this out for people? And so his challenge for the Pharisees, for the church, for people around him, is not to summarize and say, don't listen to the laws I've given you. He's not diminishing them. He's saying, please understand the greater calling. No, God, you need me. I'm going to point out her weakness. What you're doing is horrible. What's your behavior? You know, and God goes, have you even loved this person yet? Have you made yourself a slave of the Sabbath? Or you have you made and understood that the Sabbath is meant to serve you? Do you understand that the calling that God is laying on here, the calling to rescue, to love the sinner, to rescue the hurting, and, and to do the things that are necessary to do, do you understand my calling is to do that in the context of everything I've told you? But sometimes you're going to get into these situations where you have a secondary or a greater calling, excuse me, not secondary, a greater calling, and he says, be faithful to that calling. It isn't that important whether you stand or sit or carry out the religious festival. It isn't that important. It isn't that I'm telling you deny the religious event or fail to honor the things that are good, useful things. But sometimes there's a greater calling. Sometimes you set what is, seems so important on the side burner and you pick up that which is of greater importance and you do what is necessary to be done with the right heart. The Sabbath serves man. Man doesn't serve the Sabbath. And so in this process that Jesus is trying to get through these people, which is always very difficult, okay, the, the challenge is that this whole phrasing that goes on, and it goes up, I'm trying to find the section, little section. Uh, Jesus in Matthew 9 says this, uh, as he healed and uh, was going to have, he healed someone and then he was going to have dinner with Matthew. He goes, while Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, It's not the healthy who need the doctor, but the sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Matthew 9, verse 10 and 11, right in that section. I desire mercy. They'd lost it again. But Jesus, we're not supposed to eat with unrighteous people. And Jesus says, I know, but you don't understand. There's a need here. There's a greater calling. What he's saying is, when you're in a situation and you've got your three friends going to some party where there's going to be illegal stuff or where there's going to be compromise, then you walk away. Then you have nothing to do with them. But when you have a situation and you have three friends that you know need ministry and you're walking into the situation with ministry in mind and healing in mind, you have a greater calling to respond to under those circumstances. Why can't you Pharisees figure this out? And the answer is because it requires you to enter into a kind of a, a free moving of the Spirit into your life. These things that I've told you, even the law was meant to serve you, to make you better, stronger, to protect you and guard you. But the law sometimes has to be 
surpassed or surpassed by a greater law, which is that of meeting that need, which I said is number one. The need in this person's life is they lack salvation, they are not righteous, so for goodness sakes, forget about their drug use. Forget about their fact that they have this problem or that. Forget about the fact that every other word is a four-letter word. Forget about the fact that they're doing something else immoral and love them like I've told you. You mean I'm compromising, going, you know, has God now changed all the rules over here? Don't hang around with immoral people and have nothing to do with wickedness? No. He's telling you, when you have an opportunity to bring someone to faith and to life in Jesus Christ, answer the call. What are you going to have to do to get there? Sometimes you're going to have to deal with that which is most important, and once that's dealt with, it'll trickle down in everything else. And the Pharisees couldn't quite figure this out. You don't understand the real call. The real call is I came to save sinners. The real call is those are the people who are sick. That's the people I want to minister to. It's the real call that Christ laid on his heart. And so as he looked around and he said, if you want to make fun of me because I'm eating with Matthew, the tax collector, you go right ahead. But I know the priority. And the priority of my father's heart is that Matthew come to faith. Yeah, but he's a crooked tax collector. Yes. And he's an immoral man. Yes. But you don't understand. Here's my call. I want this man saved. So your challenge now is to understand your situations where you have to be willing to recognize, no, here's my choice. I'm choosing to hang around with these three friends, go to this party, and my real purpose is not to bring rescue, the mercy of God, salvation, or anything righteous into their life. My real purpose is go to the party, do what I want, watch the movie I want to watch, behave the way I want to behave. I am anything but righteous. Bam, the law kicks into effect. You walk away. You stand back. You shut down. That's when you begin to understand the process. On the other hand, if you're in a situation where you're at that situation in a party, even I don't care what the context is, and now you're in the spirit and you're working in the context of the spirit and you're operating in a totally different attitude, at that point, this part of the rule goes into effect. I have sent you to save sinners. If you have to go into the bar to find the sinner, go into the bar. You've heard that uh, story of the little old lady. She would always go into the bars. She'd sit down next to these people and she'd start talking to them like a loving grandmother or a mother, depending upon their age. And she'd just sit down there and she'd be talking. Oh my goodness, she's in a bar. Yeah. With all these rough people. Yeah. Well, where else should she be? Well, good Christians aren't supposed to spend their times in bars. Why not? Go where the sinners are. The question is not the, voca- the uh, location. The question is the heart of you as you minister in the situation. The reason these men were innocent is they were hungry. They were very hungry. They were taking a handful of grain, throwing it in their mouth. There wasn't wickedness. There wasn't motivated by let's break the laws of God. Let's act against the will of God. It was motivated instead by something as simple as hunger. And he pointed out even King David and all of the things that we hold him up for was able to do that, we could figure it out. And he says, why can't you people figure that out? So the challenge for us, of course, is that Jesus goes, I don't want you to take somebody and stab them to death on my altar. I don't want dead lambs on the altar. The dead lamb is supposed to communicate how you understand the value of your own life. 
when you picture someone in the Old Testament sacrificing up on the altar and they kill the lamb and the blood is flowing over here, it wasn't the lamb that God was looking for. It wasn't the blood that God was looking for. He was going, do you people understand how serious your sin is? Do you recognize that life is going to have to be sacrificed to preserve your life? Do you understand that this is that foreshadowing of the Lamb of God that will take away the sins of the world? I don't want lambs or blood. I break no, take no pleasure in them. I take pleasure when my people get their hearts right. So the challenge is, how do you get people's heart right? How do you help a kid separate, yes, you can go to the party. If your witness and your testimony is in the righteousness and in faith and integrity, and no, you can't go to the same party if your heart is not right. Well, mom, that doesn't make any sense. It makes total sense. It's exactly what you're forced to deal with all the time. It's exactly how you separate whether I should be in a place or not be in the place. You know, so you begin to understand what is Jesus trying to do. He's going, you've got to keep the right things and the priorities first. And when that's in place, you can walk into any situation and you can stand in any setting and you will bring the presence of God into the middle of it. You will bring integrity into something else. I let go of the altar, Lord, but I let go of it to rescue someone in need. God says, I saw that. That was the right decision. You see, it isn't that he was not telling us to fulfill what he wants us to fulfill. He said the circumstance demanded that higher calling. And so you begin to understand Jesus' point as he continues to point it out here. If you'd have only understood, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Right, kids? I desire mercy, not sacrifice. It isn't your obedience that makes God jump up and down. It's that heart that finally got this, gets this stuff figured out. God is looking at you and I trying to communicate this beautiful point, trying to help us not copy the Pharisees, trying to help us understand the one calling and the other in contrast with one another, and he shows us exactly what he's attempting to do. In terms of, uh, I have to try and find my other verse here for you quick. I forgot to mark it and I apologize. Here it is. Um, was Matthew, never mind, I'll find another time. The, the thing that I was looking for was this little addition that Jesus just adds, and Mark just adds in this other one where he speaks about, please always remember, the law was meant to serve you. It was meant to do, what's the two things for love? Protect and provide. It is meant to protect and provide. When the law is in a situation to do either keep the hands on the altar or pick up the, pan, the person that has fallen and been beaten, the answer is pick up the person that's been fallen and beaten. If you're a priest or a lay minister or whatever you are in, and you're walking along the road and the victim is laying there because a bunch of thieves have beat him up, you don't walk by on the other side of the road and say, thank you God that I don't want to get myself unclean by touching a Samaritan like that. You walk right into the middle of the Samaritan's life and you pick that Samaritan up and you touch the blood of his wounds and you bandage this man up and you sacrifice your so-called cleanness for the ministry and the need of the individual that is in front of you and you put him on your donkey and you take him to the situation and you begin to understand what is really going on in terms of that victim. And you go, why can't we get it? 
Why do we justify rather than understand that balance? And that becomes the challenge Jesus is offering us. Pray with me if you would. Heavenly Father, so many times our righteousness gets into the way of the ministry. Our view of what the priority is gets in the way of loving people. Our own fears, our own limitations keep us from being in the very place where we need to be with the right heart. Father, we are so capable of justifying and excusing sin and then in the next breath failing to be in the place where the sinners are to bring rescue. Lord Jesus, I pray that we would learn the lessons that the Sabbath was made for us not us for the Sabbath, that the rest was designed to give us the refreshment we need. And in that refreshing spirit, Lord, to rescue the sheep lost in the pit, to understand uh, the way we honor you in the greater calling. Help us, Lord, to have a different attitude with the knowledge that we've been given. Help us to understand not just that we're going to run in the other direction because someone is Uh, pierced weird or tattooed weird or talks weird or wicked or behaves in a wretched behavior. But Lord, uh, help us to overcome the smells, the sights, the sounds, the limitations that we drag with our own prejudices to find and rescue the lost. Help us to understand what it means when you say, I have died for the world and that I love this world. Lord, uh, raise up a church that gets beyond the surface stuff, gets beyond its own junk, and starts to love people the way it needs to. And give us the courage to step out in faith, Lord, to do that. Help us to sit with the tax collectors and sinners. Help us never to walk in their sin, but to walk with them through it, and to help them and rescue them and offer them the truth of your word. Open our eyes, Lord, to understanding the power of what mercy can really do in the lives of other people. We pray, Lord, as you have shown us mercy, Give us the will to show others mercy also. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.